As I speak, I am conscious of my dependence on others. There is, of course, an economic and physical dependency. Others produced the equipment used for this recording, and also the chair on which I sit, and even the podcast platform allowing you to listen. But my dependency is emotional as well as physical. We are socially and culturally connected. In the words of John Donne, no man is an island. I am who I am because of others and in relationship with others. Modern neoliberalism tends to emphasise the individual as an autonomous being. Society is seen as an aggregate of our individual, self-motivated, self-interested behaviour. Modern economic theory is predicated on such a view. It derives some scientific support from the gene-centred view in biology and the concept of the selfish gene. The idea that there is no genuinely altruistic behaviour It is a depressing view of the human condition. It is a view which I believe to be profoundly mistaken. It was perhaps most famously framed in politics by the late Margaret Thatcher when, as Prime Minister, she said there is no such thing as society. In a magazine interview, she said, There is no such thing as society. There is living tapestry of men and women and people, and the beauty of that tapestry and the quality of our lives will depend upon how much each of us is prepared to take responsibility for ourselves, and each of us prepared to turn round and help by our own efforts those who are unfortunate. End quote. I like the reference to a tapestry. It conjures the interconnected and complex weft of our lives. But I would say not that we simply act from self-interest and then help others, but that it is in our interest to help each other. I would rephrase Thatcher's conclusion and say... The quality of our lives will depend on how much each of us is prepared to take responsibility for each other. It is perhaps an old-fashioned view of mutual self-help. We are interconnected as families and communities. Mrs Thatcher was correct in one aspect. There isn't a thing called society that is separate from us. We are society. Society is our organised psychosocial being. We understand each other because in large part we share our history and our sense of cultural connection. Sharing is an asset of our social being. So it isn't that I simply seek my own self-interest and only then turn to the interests of others. 
we have common interests and interests in common. Our self-interest is predicated on our social being. The capacity to make informed choices about our lives is often taken for granted, but there are many people throughout the world for whom such choice is limited. The principle of autonomy is considered central to modern ethics. We have the faculties to make informed decisions for ourselves. Whilst individual freedom is a good thing, it doesn't mean we are independent of others. The support for that freedom is inextricably woven into our social being. Our ability to make independent choices is enabled by our relationship with others, our families, our communities, our society. We are a social species dependent on our social and economic interrelationships. And social intelligence is an essential ingredient of our organic being. The exercise of autonomy, our independent being, comes not separated from our social being, but because of it. We are who we are in relation to others. Of course, we give and take, but our social exchange is more than a contract of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. The exchange, if that is what it is, is very often profoundly unbalanced, and sometimes there is no exchange at all. Our social being is more than this. It is a state of being, being with others. It is by its nature a mutual relationship and not contractual. Society is not simply an aggregate of individual behaviour. We behave differently as social beings. Our morality and behavioural norms are socially derived. Part of our understanding of ourselves is our feelings about others and our being with others. We understand ourselves in relation to others. I am I and you are you, but we are also we. We anticipate and interpret the behaviour of others and this requires complex cognitive functions. Our relationships are complex. We have hopes, fears, desires, loves and hates. We have a capacity for love and understanding. We have a capacity to protect as well as a capacity to destroy. We have a capacity for calculation and to solve complex problems and many of these problems are in the social domain. Our sense of commonality is deep. It is expressed beautifully in John Donne's poem of meditation. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. We feel not just for ourselves, but also for others and with others. We are organically social. But this social cognition isn't genetic. It is itself created by our social being during our early development. At least some of this social development is reflected in the way our brains develop. 
Our brains are moulded over the first two decades of our lives. The billions of connections necessary for our brains to function are honed over this period. We create and are created by our social being. Early anatomists could see clearly that our brains are organised into distinct regions of grey matter surrounded by masses of white matter. The grey matter is composed largely of nerve cells, the little grey cells of Agatha Christie's fictional Belgian detective, Hercule Poirot. The white matter is the multitude of cabling that connects different regions of our brains. These cables, long extensions of nerve cells called axons, carry signals between the areas of grey matter. For these axons to function properly, they must be insulated by the growth of other cells that wrap around them to form an insulating sheath. It is a remarkable process, taking place over the course of the first year after birth. And with it, as the connections between the cortical areas develop, so too does our cognitive function. One example is our ability to recognise the faces of others. Face recognition is fundamental to our social interactions, and whilst babies have some built-in features of face recognition at birth, the brain areas serving this functional development develop over the course of postnatal development. It changes with the development of the cerebral cortex and requires social interaction to lay down these complex connections. The same is also true for skills related to language. It requires the honing of complex neural connections in the brain. During this period, I am becoming. As this development of connections occurs, the evolving me influences and in turn is influenced by these connections. During adolescence, children develop the ability to understand abstract ideas and grasp higher mathematical and abstract concepts. They learn also how to establish and maintain relationships and share intimacy. It is also well recognised that during this period, teenagers will begin to challenge authority and establish an independent identity. How well I remember my rebellious self at this time. Yet this independent identity is more often expressed through an identity with a group of others and it is reflected in common likes and dislikes. Our sense of identity is powerfully that of belonging, and belonging is a powerful need. We know also how awkward adolescence may feel. The rapid physical changes make adolescents very self-conscious. They are more sensitive and worried about their own body changes and image, and they may make painful comparisons about themselves and their peers. It is a vulnerable time when behavioural problems may manifest themselves. With such strong feelings about self, it is not surprising that suicide is the second leading cause of death for people aged between 10 and 24. 
more teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from other causes combined, including cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza and chronic lung disease. It is also a time of sexual exploration. It is a time of becoming, and becoming who we are is difficult. It can be a time of immense anxiety and anguish. When I left school at 15, I set out on a journey of discovery. It was also a journey of self-creation. It has been an extraordinary journey. When I look back at the teenager I was, I see someone acutely sensitive and awkward, struggling to find himself. He fell in love easily. He was deeply afflicted with an intense shyness that made social interaction difficult. He could be deeply sad, but also he could be profoundly happy. He was a dreamer, but as he walked out of the school gates for the last time as a schoolboy, he would not have known he would one day obtain a PhD in the neurosciences. Thus the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. As complex social beings, it is little wonder then that it takes so long for our brains to fully develop and that it should require interaction with our social environment. It is no surprise that it should be a difficult process. The changes are considerable. We mould and create ourselves through our social relationships with others. We are never really a finished sculpture. We are both our own creation and the creation of others. And we are rarely satisfied with our work. Mm-hmm.